Okay, let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. We'll read verse 1 to verse 12. Verse 1. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting him, uh, desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. And he answered and said unto them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O you hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but can you not discern the signs of the times? A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. And when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. Which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not understand, neither remember the five loaves of the five thousand? And how many baskets you took up? Neither the seven loaves of the four thousand? And how many baskets you took up? How is it then that you do not understand that I did not say this about bread, that you should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees? Then understood they how he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Let's pray again. Father in heaven, as we have come together this morning to to sing praises to you, Lord, to bless your heart with song and to encourage one another with song, and as we come together to pray and talk to you, Lord, and now to hear from you, from your word, we ask that you would give each of us here ears to hear, uh, Lord, that you'd give us the strength to hear your word, the ability to understand it. Um, Fill us all with the Holy Spirit and help us to realize that we're hearing from you, the very words of God. And help us to understand what it is you want us to see in this passage. In in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, for many Christians, the most that they know about the Pharisees and the Sadducees is that the Pharisees aren't fair, you see. And the Sadducees are so sad, you see, and they don't want to be a Pharisee and a Sadducee, they just want to be a sheep. Ba, 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 ba. Right? (laughs) True? (laughs) Uh, Maybe not quite so true. Uh, Most uh, most of us would know that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were two groups in Israel. They were religious, political groups in Israel. Um, To be... Uh, a Jew, religion and politics were really inseparable. So if you were religious, you were also thinking about your nation and the politics of your nation. Um, And so the the Pharisees and the Sadducees were two groups. There was actually four main groups in Israel at the time, in the first century when Jesus was on the earth. So there were the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes, and the Zealots. So I just want to touch briefly on what these four groups were all about. The Zealots, these were the guys who said that Israel has absolutely no ruler but God alone. And they wanted to revolt against all human uh, 
rulership, the Romans, and any corrupt form of even Jewish leadership. God alone is our king, and these men would fight to overthrow any ruler that wasn't God. And they gave their lives bravely for their faith. Uh, Josephus talks about how the zealots, how they, many of them died uh, being tortured to death because they said, no ruler but God alone. These were the zealots. These were violent men who wanted to revolt. The second, the other group I mentioned were the Essenes. The Essenes were separatists. The Essenes, these were the guys who said, Israel is really corrupt right now. In fact, the temple system is so corrupt, we are not even going to go to the temple and do sacrifices. And the Essenes actually separated themselves physically from the people, and they lived in their own little community around the Dead Sea. Uh, they actually did their own sacrifices. They had their own teachers. Uh, most of them were celibate, actually. And they basically just devoted themselves wholly to God. They were extremely strict. They believed completely in predestination. They believed that there was no such thing as free will, that everything was just predestined by God. And it's from this community that we have the, what you've probably heard of, the Dead Sea Scrolls. So when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, it was the, it was the writings of the Essenes. Separatists, physically. The Sadducees, or in Hebrew, the Sadakim, which means the righteous, they were defined by their doctrine and their practice. The Sadducees did not believe in an afterlife. They did not believe that when you die, you go to heaven. They did not believe in resurrection. They believed that this life was the life that God has given to us, and we should do good uh, disinterestedly. It should not, we should not do good thinking that I'm doing good so that I can go to heaven. We should just do good because it's good to do good. That's what the Sadducees believed. They felt they were more righteous because they had this view. And the Sadducees rejected the oral traditions of the Jews. So you'll notice when we read the New Testament, the Pharisees, are. They, uh, Jesus said that uh, you teach the traditions of, of men. Why do you nullify the word of God by your traditions? And when Jesus taught the Sermon on the Mount, the people were amazed that he taught with authority and not like the scribes and the Pharisees who, who basically just based everything off of their traditions. The Sadducees actually disagreed with the Pharisees. They rejected oral traditions. They said, it doesn't matter what so-and-so uh, sage said 100 years ago or 500 years ago. Uh, the Sadducees believed it was a noble thing to challenge old views. It was a noble thing to analyze what the old guys are saying, and if, they, and if it doesn't seem to agree with the scriptures, you should challenge them. So they didn't have a sense that you should defer to the elders. If the elders are wrong, challenge them, and that's noble. The, the Sadducees believed completely in free will. They didn't believe in predestination at all. They believed everybody has free will, and God doesn't interfere at all. The Sadducees were a smaller group in Israel, but they were popular among the upper class. And lastly, the Pharisees, or in Hebrew, the perushim, which means the separate ones, or the holy ones, not separated physically like the Essenes. The Pharisees didn't remove themselves into their own little community. The Pharisees lived in Israel among the people, but they saw themselves as separate spiritually, the Pharisees were by far the most prominent group in Israel by a long shot. None of the other groups, the Zealots, the Essenes, the Sadducees, had anything on the Pharisees. And basically, the majority of the people highly respected 
the, Fer the Pharisees. And Josephus says that basically whatever the Pharisees said, the people generally believed them. If the Pharisees said you have to wash your hands before you eat, the people said that's what God wants us to do is to wash your hands before we eat. And if the Pharisees said we need to reject Jesus, then the people said, you know what, we just got to reject Jesus. That's what God wants us to do. The Pharisees were the guardians of orthodoxy. They believed in the afterlife. They believed in resurrection. They believed in hell. The Pharisees did not argue with the elders. They believed it was noble to defer to the elders. How, how, what makes you think you're wiser than the sages? So they didn't challenge the elders. They said, this is what the sages believe. This is what the traditions are. And they believed actually that these traditions went all the way back to Moses. That Moses didn't just give the written law of God to the people, but Moses also taught and the elders heard him and passed on this information. And there's a succession of tradition that goes back to Moses. And the Pharisees were continuing that tradition. The Pharisees paid strict attention to the minutia of the law. They wanted to obey the law. They believed that Israel's past was uh, a past of condemnation and judgment because the people were idolatrous and didn't obey the law. The Pharisees said, we're not going to fall into that trap again. We are going to obey the law, even if it is extremely minute in the details. The Pharisees believed in a mixture of predestination and free will, probably like most of us. The Pharisees believe that God is in control, but we also have uh, the ability to choose. After the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD and the emergence of what's called rabbinic Judaism, which is, which is what exists today, the, the rabbis of rabbinic Judaism acknowledged the Pharisees as heroes and as their spiritual precursors. So Jews today believe the Pharisees were the good guys. Okay. Now, the Pharisees and the Sadducees did not get along. They weren't buddies at all. And they disagreed sharply about doctrine and religious and political life in Israel. And for an example, if you remember in Acts chapter 23, the Apostle Paul is being tried before them. The Pharisees, it says there's a lot of Pharisees and Sadducees in the crowd, right? And Paul notices this. Now, Paul's a Pharisee, so he knows all the ins and outs of the politics of these groups in Israel. He notices there's a lot of Sadducees and Pharisees sitting there. So Paul figures out, I'll just say something about the resurrection. <laughs> because I know that's a hot topic. And all he had to say is, brothers, he said, uh, he, actually, Paul said this, I am a Pharisee. That's what Paul said. Interesting. And he said, uh, it's because of the resurrection. It's because of the hope of the resurrection I'm on trial today. And the Pharisees and Sadducees started yelling at each other and arguing about what the doctrine was, and they sharply disagreed. The Pharisees said, let the guy go. The Sadducees didn't want to let him go. So you can see that the Pharisees and the Sadducees did not get along. And yet, as Christians, we usually just lump them together, right? The Pharisees and the Sadducees, as if they're one and indistinguishable. You've got to understand, they were completely not one and indistinguishable. And when we see them together, like here in verse 1 of chapter 16, the Pharisees also came with the Sadducees and tempted Jesus. When we see them working together, this is an amazing thing. This isn't, oh yeah, they're always together. We see them working together against Jesus. These two groups that have nothing in common, <laughs> except that they don't like Jesus. And they're willing to put aside their differences to team up against him. And here's a lesson we learn. That groups that are normally at variance with each other 
will find unity and commonality in their cause against Jesus Christ. Right? Groups that have very little in common, or nothing in common except this, they're united against Jesus Christ. So when we say Pharisees and Sadducees together, we need to think, it's not normal. Wow, this is some, there's something really significant going on here. It's only because of Jesus that we can say the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Why were they against Jesus? We've talked about this a lot. Brothers and sisters, here's why they were against Jesus. Jesus came along and taught, and you can read about it in the Sermon on the Mount and other places. He taught that God requires perfect righteousness, right? Jesus said, unless your righteousness is greater than the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. So Jesus basically just slams the Pharisees, who everyone thinks is the greatest, and the righteous and the holy, and he says, they are not getting into the kingdom of heaven. And you need to have a righteousness that's greater than that. And someone might ask, well, what could possibly be greater than the righteousness of the Pharisees? And then Jesus proceeds to say, if you even have anger in your heart, then you're guilty of murder. If you even look with lust, then you're guilty of committing adultery. And you think it's just if someone slaps you on one side to slap them back? It's not. If you want to be righteous and enter the kingdom of God, someone slaps you on one side, turn to them the other also. You think it's okay to get divorced just because you get, you're not compatible with your wife? There's no cause for divorce unless there's fornication or unfaithfulness in the marriage. Uh, you think that uh, it's okay to love your neighbor? No. If you want to be just in God's sight, you need to love your enemies. And if one of those Roman soldiers comes by and says, hey, you, carry my bags for a mile. Walk with them two miles if you really want to love your neighbor, which is what God requires, right? Walk with them too. If you are friendly to those who are friendly to you, and if you salute your family members and your friends and say, hello there, good to see you, what makes you any different than a heathen? Do good to your enemies if you want to be like God. And then Jesus lays down the, the law, and he says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Perfect, morally perfect. Be perfect. Jesus taught perfect righteousness. And perfect righteousness, brothers and sisters, condemns some or all. The bad guys, but not the Pharisees? All. And basically, Jesus exposes the Pharisees and the Sadducees and any other a religious person who thinks they're good and who thinks they're obedient and who thinks they're better, Jesus comes along and says, you're not any better. You have no right to judge. If you judge, you'll be judged. So he's not only saying that the Pharisees and the Sadducees are unrighteous, he's also saying they're wrong in their doctrine and they're hypocrites. And they just are pretending to be righteous and they're not. And they hated him for this. The Pharisees and Sadducees both hated Jesus. And they both agreed, you know what? We might disagree on, like, re on resurrection, but you know what? Let's, let's join swords against this guy on righteousness, right? They're fighting against each other for resurrection. They're like, hold on a second. We got a bigger problem over here. Righteousness. <laughs> no, Jesus, righteousness isn't perfection. We are good. We are better. We don't commit adultery. So we are better than the adulterers. You see, brothers and sisters, it's the moral issue that's the main issue. It's the moral issue that's the main issue. Jesus actually agreed with the Pharisees about resurrection, but Jesus and the Pharisees were not united at all. 
the Pharisees and the Sadducees disagreed about resurrection. They were united about righteousness. Muslims, Hindus, Jews, Mormons, Catholics, they'll quarrel about all sorts of various points of doctrine. They will be united together in common cause against righteousness through faith. Against perfect righteousness, won't they? Right? They'll argue about all sorts of things. Muhammad is a prophet. No, he's not. Right? You, you don't pray to saints. Yes, you do. Uh, Joseph Smith found the gold plates. No, he didn't. Right? On and on and on they go. You're going to have 70 virgins. No, you're not. You've got to go to purgatory. No, you don't. And they all disagree and fight and say, we're not together until it comes to perfect righteousness. And then they say, we are completely agreed on this. You know what? They're all, they put all their swords down and they all turn their swords against Jesus. Jesus says that the world hates him because of righteousness' sake. And they might say, we don't hate Jesus. Yeah, as long as these religions talk about a Jesus that's not the true Jesus, they love Jesus, right? Muslims and Catholics all say they love Jesus. But... Brothers and sisters, the Bible talks about false Christs and false Jesuses that people preach. They love the false Jesus. People love the false Jesus. What's the false Jesus? The false Jesus is the guy who just says, just be a nice person. I just came to be a nice person. I didn't come to preach righteousness that is perfection. I didn't come to say that broad is the road to destruction. I didn't come to say you have to be perfect and the Pharisees aren't going to make it. I didn't say all those things. I just came to say, you know, just be a really nice person. Just try your best. That's why I came. And as long as you just try, I'm just teaching you to, just how to be nice. That's all. They all love that Jesus. But they hate, they absolutely hate the true Jesus of the Bible who taught true righteousness. So the question I want to ask you this morning is, do you believe in the true Jesus or do you believe in a false Jesus? Do you love the Jesus Christ of the Bible, who taught perfect righteousness, who literally is saying to you, if you are not perfect morally like God, you're not going to make it. Wait, do you believe that Jesus? Do you love that Jesus? Or do you say, I don't believe that. That's not my Jesus. I hate that Jesus. That's a false Jesus. Do you call the true Jesus false Jesus? Ask yourself this morning. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they ask Christ for a sign from heaven. They're essentially saying this to him. Up till now, you've done all these things. We still aren't convinced. Right? They're asking him for a sign. If you are who you say you are, show us a sign. What an amazing thing to say in the light of all the signs that he's given. You have yet to prove yourself, Jesus. You have yet to prove yourself. Now, brothers and sisters, God never requires us to believe in something without evidence or without any reasons. It's not wrong to ask for a sign. It's not wrong to have a sign or evidence or reason in order to believe in something. It's very important we understand that faith in Christ doesn't mean you just believe in him without evidence. It's with evidence. But here's the, here's the thing. It is absolutely wicked and absolutely adulterous to ask God for a sign when you have already been given sufficient evidence absolutely wicked and adulterous to do that. To say, God, you haven't yet proven yourself. Give me, give me some sign from heaven when it's all there already. You are not willing to consider it. That's why it's sinful and wicked for an atheist to say, 
God, give me a sign that you're real. Show me that you exist. When they're unwilling to consider the sign that's all around them in the testimony of nature, among other testimonies. That's one. That's the big one. It's also, it's also wicked and adulterous for someone to take the Book of Mormon and to pray about it to see whether it's true. It's wicked and adulterous to say, God, is this true when they're unwilling to consider what God has already said in his word in the Bible, right? Because if, brothers and sisters, if we read the Bible, then we know it isn't true, right? So it's wicked to just ignore the Bible and say, okay, God, I'm looking for an answer. Fundamental to Christianity is this belief, brothers and sisters. God has spoken, right? Has, past tense. He has spoken. And while we definitely do believe that God can speak, you, speak to you today, we don't think it's wrong to pray, right? Don't, do you believe that you can pray and ask God for things and he can speak to you today? That's true. But that's not the main truth of Christianity. The main truth of Christianity is not... God can speak. It's that God has spoken. And our faith is built upon what he has already said. It has already revealed. We don't just ignore everything he said and say, okay, God, talk to me. Right? Talk to me, but I'm unwilling to listen to what you've already said. That's hypocritical, wicked, and adulterous. So, with the Pharisees here, with the atheists, what's the, who's the problem with, God or man? Is God not giving sufficient evidence or is man not considering the evidence? Jesus shows here that the problem is with the Pharisees. The problem is with them. If you can discern the one, then you can discern the other. It's just as easy to believe in Jesus as it is to know that it's going to be stormy later today because the weather, uh, the sky is red in the morning. Isn't that interesting? It really is that easy to believe in Jesus. There's so much evidence. There's sufficient signs that point to Jesus Christ. And if you have a brain in your head, and if you can demonstrate that you're able and you have the skill and the methodology to look at the sky and say, red sky, I see a red sky, I discern that that means it's going to be poor weather later on, then you have the, the exact same capacity, brothers and sisters, to look at the signs all around you and to say, I see them and I discern that Jesus is the Messiah. And Jesus is saying, you basically condemn yourself every time you use your brain and yet you don't believe in Jesus, you condemn yourself. Isn't it interesting that Jesus doesn't... See, some people think, just pray and ask God and he'll show you. Well, they did come to Jesus and say, show us, please. And he said, you're a wicked and adulterous generation. Use your brain. Right? Isn't that what he's basically saying? That it's always not, it's not always about just praying and asking God. It sometimes is about using your brain that God has given you and the signs that he's already given. Right? And to not use your brain and look at the signs and then to ask God for an answer is hypocritical. It shows you don't really want to know because you're unwilling to look. Jesus is saying the problem is not a lack of evidence and it isn't even a lack of discernment because you have the ability to discern. It's a hard heart. The evidence is there. Your brain is obviously there. But you're a hypocrite and you don't 
want me to be the Christ. That's the issue, right? Pharisees and Sadducees united together against me. Why are you even coming together? I know you guys don't even like each other. What are you doing here? You don't want me to be the Christ. You don't like what I teach. You want to try to tempt me. You want to try to find how you can worm out of believing in me because you hate me and my message. Therefore, he calls them hypocrites in verse 3. Jesus says, no sign will be given but the sign of Jonah. Jesus had already said that earlier in Matthew. The sign of Jonah is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God, in his mercy, gives us another sign. On top of all the signs that he's already given, he gives us the, the cream of the crop. He gives us the greatest sign of all. The resurrection of Jesus cries out loudly to all men. Screams louder than a red sky. Right? And all a person has to do is just look and see the red sky and use their brain. God is saying to all men, believe in Jesus, the true Jesus. Believe in the Son whom I have sent. This is my beloved Son. Listen to Him. Listen to Him and be saved. God doesn't tell us that we're guilty because He doesn't like us. God doesn't say, I require perfection because I'm mean. He's telling that in love. He's telling us what heaven is like. He's telling us what he is like. He's telling us what reality is. Reality is, God requires perfect righteousness. Reality. And that condemns you. Reality. I'm telling you that because that's the way it is, and I love you. And I want you to not be deceived. And I want you to wake up and not walk to destruction, thinking you're a good person and going to heaven. That's what you think, right? That's what the majority of the world thinks. So God in love says the truth. Are you listening? Do you believe? Or do you ignore it? Do you not look? Do you pretend you look? Do you pray and ask God for answers when you don't look? Do you create a false Jesus that you're more comfortable with? Jesus leaves them. And uh, they go across the lake. They go across the lake of Galilee. And in the last part of our passage this morning... When the disciples and Jesus crossed the lake, on the other side, the disciples realized they'd forgotten to take bread. It's kind of encouraging. They forget things too. <laughs> I can relate to that. And it's interesting that uh, it seems like in verse 6, the encounter with the Pharisees and the Sadducees that Jesus just had is still fresh on Jesus' mind. You know, you ever think about what Jesus is thinking about when they're crossing the lake? You know, it takes a while to get across the lake when you don't have a motor. They're just basically rowing across the lake or they got the sail up. You ever think of Jesus just kind of laying in the, in the ship, uh, crossing the Lake of Galilee and what he's thinking about? It seems like in verse 6 that the encounter with the Pharisees and the Sadducees is still fresh in his mind. He was probably just thinking about it as he was going across the lake. And Jesus sees it teaching opportunity in the circumstances. So the disciples get there and they go, oh, we forgot bread. We forgot to take bread, Jesus. Probably dinner time or whatever, and they're like, uh, don't have dinner. Sorry. And Jesus says, opportunity here, because he's been thinking about it. Jesus says, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Now, to the disciples' unimaginative ears, they hear, 
don't go supply us with bread or yeast from the Pharisees and the Sadducees, right? <laughs> I know it's dinner time and we got to eat, but just don't go to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, okay? <laughs> and they think it's because we didn't take bread, he's telling us not to go to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They thought Jesus was literally talking about bread when he said the leaven of the Pharisee. They thought he was literally talking about the bread, literally, that they have. And Jesus says, why do you think I'm worried about bread when I can create fresh and hot bread out of thin air? <laughs> right? <laughs> do, you have, do you, brothers and sisters, ever have a tendency to forget the wonderful works of God, <laughs> right? Do you ever have a tendency to forget what God has done in his beautiful works? How about the cross? Jesus might say, do you really think I don't love you? Why do you, why do you think I don't love you? I know you got in this car accident, but you think that that means I don't love you? Don't you remember that I died for you on the cross? Right? Right? <laughs> Someone in your family died. Oh, do you think that I don't love you? What about, do you mean? Do you remember when I was, when I put the crown of thorns on and I laid my life down? No one laid it down. No one took it from me. I laid it down for you because I love you. I proved it. Do you really think that this circumstance shows I don't love you? We have a tendency to forget, don't we? It's amazing, with all the failures of the disciples, he didn't say, I'm going to go find some new disciples, <laughs> right? <laughs> he loved these guys. He loved these guys, right? <laughs> and he says, I'm not speaking of the literal bread of these Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they realized he was not talking about the little bread, but he was, he was speaking to them about the doctrine, verse 12, or the teaching, literally the teaching, or the doctrine of the Pharisees. The teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now I want you to notice something absolutely amazing here. He is saying that the Pharisees and the Sadducees have one teaching. The teaching of these guys. And that's a shocking thing because there's only one teaching for both of them. They're radically different, and Jesus is saying they have something that's exactly the same as their teaching. And you say, what? I thought it was the teaching that they were different on. Isn't that the whole point? Isn't their teachings the main difference between them? And Jesus looks past the less significant doctrines that they quarrel about when he speaks this. He looks past all the peripheral, surfacey stuff that they're always arguing about. And he sees that they're completely united together in teaching. Isn't that interesting? Yes, they argue all the time and they don't like to hang out with each other, but they have the same teaching and you need to beware of it. They are both united in teaching. Brothers and sisters, all non-Christian religions are teaching the same thing, right? All of them. Essentially the same thing. Certainly there are differences on the surface, right? There are differences on the surface of religions, but there is one religion behind it all. Behind every non-Christian, non, 
a true non-Christian religion. Behind the surface, there's a religion that unites them all in one. It is their teaching of righteousness that is opposed to the teaching of righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus. And it's this teaching that makes them hostile to Christ. You see? Beware of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees because it's this teaching that is making them united against me. It's this teaching which is why they don't see the signs. They look at the red sky and they can't see the signs because of this teaching. And Jesus focuses in on this. Beware of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees that's the same. They're teaching that righteousness on righteousness, that God doesn't require perfection. That as long as you just try your best, you're okay. As long as you... You just don't commit adultery. You're better than adulterers. The teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Muslims and the Mormons and the Jews and the Catholics, it's all one doctrine and one leaven. And why does Jesus liken this teaching to leaven? Because he didn't have to, right? He could have just said, beware of the teachings, but he said, beware of the leaven. He likened it to leaven. There's a picture here. And the reason is, is because leaven is hidden inside the bread. Leaven fills the whole bread. And leaven gives the bread its character. Leavened bread, right? There's leavened bread and there's unleavened bread. The leaven is hidden. All you see is the bread. But it, the, the bread is full of the leaven. And the bread can look different, can it? You could have Italian bread. You could have bread rolls. You could have bread with jalapenos in it. You could have donuts with sprinkles on it. You could have plain old hot dog buns in it, and they're all leavened, right? Yeah. They're leavened. They all look different. They're all presented different. You eat them in different restaurants, and they're all leavened bread. And your religion, the same thing. You could believe in winged angels. You could be believe angels don't have wings. You could believe that hell is literal or hell is metaphorical. You could believe in an Arabian prophet or in an American prophet. Or you could believe there's no such thing as a prophet. You could believe heaven has streets of gold. You could believe the Song of Solomon shouldn't be in the Bible. But if your religion is about any righteousness other than what Jesus taught, your religion is leavened with the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It's all the same, right? All the exact same. Your religion is no different than all the rest of them which hate Christ and the righteousness that comes through faith in him. Your religion might have nothing in common with the Hindus at all except this. You both believe that you don't need to be perfect to get to heaven. Right? You both believe that as long as you just put the effort in, you'll be okay. This is the whole issue. Is your religion leavened or not? Is it leavened with the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees or not? How do you know? Do you believe that you are a good person? It's interesting at the good person booth, we talked to hundreds and hundreds of people. Up on campus, I talked to lots of people. I traveled the country, talked to lots of people. Doesn't matter if you're atheist, Mormon, Catholic. If you ask someone, are you a good person? Ignoring everything the Bible has to say, they'll say yes. Right? I mean, you don't have to read the Bible very far to know that God doesn't think men are good. Right? It's as if, man, if only uh, this generation had lived back in the days of Noah, there would have been a lot more people that wouldn't have perished. Right? <laughs> right? We had, had we had had to build bigger boats. <laughs> right? <laughs> 
Do you believe you're a good person? Jesus says, you are not. Do you believe him? Does that make you angry, upset? Do you believe that God does not require perfect righteousness in order to get to the kingdom of God? Do you know that Jesus said he does? And the Bible says that if he didn't, Jesus died for nothing. If you could be righteous and good in God's sight by doing your little deeds, then you don't need Jesus. In fact, when you declare, I am a good person, you don't, you're, you're declaring, I don't need the true Jesus. Right? I like the Jesus that gives me some good moral lessons. I do not need Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what's actually going on here when you declare you're a good person. And if you declare you're a good person and that God doesn't require perfect righteousness, then you have a leavened religion that is no different than the Hindus and the Muslims and everyone else. It's no different. It doesn't matter what, how you disagree with them on minor points. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you believe in Jesus. If you believe you're a good person and God doesn't require perfect righteousness, you believe in a false Jesus, not the true Jesus. Do you believe that you must do more than simply trust in the shed blood of Jesus Christ to be saved? That is an important question, isn't it? Do you believe that you must do more? And when you, when you hear someone say, I'm, I'm a saved person, forgiven of all my sins, I have eternal life, I'm going to heaven, and it's only because of Jesus and I'm trusting him. Do you recoil from that and say, you've got to do more than that? In the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul was talking to the Christians, writing to the Christians, who were being tempted to think that it was more. Who were being tempted to think that it's all well and good that Jesus died on the cross, but uh, you've got to keep the commandments. You've got to do something to prove you're something to God. And Paul says this in Galatians 5, verse 8. He said, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And he said, this persuasion does not come from the one who called you. Isn't that interesting? This persuasion, this idea that you have to do more, this idea that you have to be good, this idea that you have to keep going, does not come from God. As good as it sounds. I mean, it's got to sound somewhat good because people believe it, right? But it's a lie. Brothers and sisters, do you believe in the true Christ and in the true message of God? Do you believe in the message that he brings? If you do, I want you to know this. You are in the only true religion in the world. The only one that saves and the only one that is unique. The only one that isn't leavened with the doctrine of the Pharisees and the, righteous, and the, and the Sadducees, the so-called Zadokim. And it's for this reason that we'll be hated of all men also on account of him, right? People think that Christians are hated because we stand against homosexuality or something like that. The, Jesus said we'll be hated for righteousness' sake. And this is the issue, and this is where the line is drawn. You either have the bread of life, or you have the bread of poison. Your religion is either leavened or it's unleavened. It's either righteousness by faith in Jesus Christ, or it's righteousness by works. That's it. You either realize 
if God requires perfection, I'm not that. And I'm not going to be that because I know myself. Is there any hope for me? And you look to the cross of Jesus Christ where Jesus came into the world not just to teach us how to be nice, good people, but he came into the world by his own saying to die and give his life a ransom for many. He died on the cross and paid for our sins. And the apostles interpreted this way, that the one who knew no sin became sin for us on the cross so that we who are sinners through the cross might be righteous before God. And the apostles, all of them, teach this, that righteousness before God, which is required to get to the kingdom of heaven, does not come by doing commandments and works. It comes by ceasing from your works, realizing that you cannot do anything. And it comes by putting your faith and your trust in the death of Jesus Christ for you. That's it. When you believe, you're righteous. The Bible declares that we are justified through faith and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ and Him only. And this is a warning that Jesus gives us. It's for all men, everywhere, and for all times. The Pharisees and the Sadducees are not gone. Now those groups may be gone, but the teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees have always been around, and they'll be around until the day Jesus comes back. And because the original disciples actually heeded this warning, we have Christianity. Okay? It's because the original disciples said, when after Jesus died and rose again, they got it. They said, okay, we are going to beware. What do you see in the New Testament? Letters. The apostles are always saying, beware of false brethren who creep in privately and bring in their damnable heresies. What heresies? The teaching of the doctrines in the Sadducees. The teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And it's because the original disciples heeded this and they fought the good fight of faith and they contended for the faith that is unleavened, the grace of God, that we have Christianity. And in every successive age, when this warning has been heeded, Christianity goes on. And when men do not heed this warning, they lose Christianity altogether. They might keep some moralistic religion that's the same as every other religion that uses the name Jesus on it, but it is not Christianity anymore. This and this alone is the test of whether it's Christian or not, whether it's true or not. And God is always preserved by His Spirit of people that takes heed to this. Right? As we're going to see in the next passage next week, that God, Christ Jesus will build His church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So brothers and sisters, in closing, the signs are all around us. The sky is red. Men can discern that Jesus is the Christ and the whole issue is not that there's a lack of signs and it's not that you don't have a brain in your head it all comes down to the, the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees do you love Jesus or do you hate Jesus that's the issue if you look to the signs and believe it's because you realize that Jesus is speaking the truth if you hate Jesus and the message of perfect righteousness and if you hate the idea that you're not a good person if you hate the idea that it's just a gift I guarantee you, you will be closing your eyes to the red sky you will not look but I want to ask you, what will you do? Will you listen to Jesus or to the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Jesus came along like a lightning rod and said, the Pharisees are a bunch of hypocrites and they're not going to make it into the kingdom of heaven. I told you earlier that the people thought the Pharisees were all that. The people listened to the Pharisees, whatever they said. And because they listened to the Pharisees, they perished. 
Brothers and sisters, you're in the same situation today. There are men in this world that you might highly respect, right? You might think they're awesome. You might think they're religious. You might think they're spiritual. You might think they're righteous and holy. And they say to you, you don't have to be perfect. You just got to try. You don't have to be perfect. You just got to, you know, put some effort in. But it's not free. You got to work for it. You got to repent. You got to do all these things. And if you listen to them against the teaching of Jesus, beware. Isn't it interesting you'd just be repeating the history of what happened in the first century? Don't be a hypocrite. Don't harden your heart. Don't hate Jesus because he tells you the truth. Right? Simply in humility and honesty, believe in the truth. And put your faith in Jesus Christ to the saving of your soul. And hear the words of Jesus. Beware. Let's pray. Father in heaven, there isn't many warnings in scripture more serious than this. In fact, this is probably the most serious one. And Lord, we know we're surrounded today by Pharisees and Sadducees in different, different garments and clothes. Lord, I pray that you would enable us, everyone, to beware and to take heed and to not go along with the crowd and to not go along with just what seems to be good on the surface and to not be impressed by what looks like righteousness in men, but to listen to your word, which says there's no one righteous, not even one. Cause us to hear this truth, Lord. Lord, if there's anyone anyone here that doesn't believe and has closed their eyes to the signs because they don't want to believe in the message of the true Jesus, I pray that you'd convict them today. And just cause them to see that they're sinners, that they don't have any hope apart from the grace of God. Help them to see that the whole point of the Bible is the death of Christ on the cross for their sins and grace, that their hope is in the grace of God and righteousness that comes through faith. Thank you for warning us. Thank you for coming into this world and saying these hard things, even getting killed for it and dying for us and for our sins. We thank you, Lord, for loving us so much. And we bless your name this this morning. In Jesus' name.